Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. They offer just about every battery under the sun, from car and truck batteries to batteries for your trail cameras and rangefinders. Select retail locations even offer cell phone repair and cracked screen repair. Find a local retail location at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Backcountry Rookies Podcast. This is the annual Stories from the Season series. As we have done in years past, I like to bring on friends and former guests or just good hunters, but they all have one thing in common, and that is a great story from the season. This year, we teamed up with the guys at Western Hunter to help share some great stories. If you aren't familiar with Western Hunter, you need to check them out. They produce Western Hunter Magazine that has fantastic stories, product reviews and they also have a great tv show on the sportsman's channel and their own podcast in addition to the magazine and show this year western hunter is launching a film tour that you can enter your hunting film to win some great prizes go back and check out episode 183 with chris denham or hop over to westernhunter.net to hear all the details and how to enter let's jump right into these great stories from the season Welcome to the Backcountry Rookies Podcast. Today, I will be talking to Chad Riker and CJ Steffen about Chad's first ever New Mexico big game hunt and first antelope tag. My name is Daniel Porter, so let's jump right into this. This podcast is sponsored by Go Hunt, Elk 101's University of Elk Hunting, and Vortex Optics. Check out Go Hunt Maps for all your scouting needs. Go Hunt Maps comes free with an Insider account and offers amazing 3D maps on your desktop for e-scouting and the new mobile maps on your mobile device. Now you have all of the resources of Insider, filtering 2.0, strategy articles, draw odds, and more that you use for application season, and it's all paired with maps used for e-scouting and hunting. Insider is the all-inclusive tool for Western hunters. Use the promo code ROOKIES and get $50 in Go Hunt Gear Shop credit when you become an insider today. Elk 101's University of Elk Hunting. University of Elk Hunting provides you with immediate access to the most comprehensive and complete resource for increasing your elk hunting knowledge, confidence, and success. University of Elk Hunting now has all of those resources in the palm of your hand on a mobile app. Use the code ROOKIES and save $20 on your University of Elk Hunting membership today. Vortex Optics. Have you seen the new Vortex Razor UHD 10x50s? If you haven't seen the 10x50s, I highly recommend checking them out, going to the local store, doing whatever you can to check them out. I was blown away at how bright those things were. I recently took them on a deer scouting slash bear hunting trip out here in New Mexico and was very, very surprised. The clarity of them was great. Edge-to-edge clarity was great. And what I was really surprised with, I've never used a set of 10x50s, but what I was most surprised with was that brightness at low light. Just having that bigger objective lens draws in more light, makes them brighter, which means you can glass longer. Check out those Razor UHD 10x50s. And I would suggest check them out at the Go Hunt Gear Shop. So there you go. Go Hunt and Vortex Optics got together. Got a pair of 10 by 50s. Check them out. Okay. All that weird talk aside. Uh, Chad, how are you today? Wonderful. Thanks for having me, Dan. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Hey, you know, I'm a busy guy and super popular with all these things. Uh, I figured I'd pencil you in because it sounds like you got a pretty cool story to talk about. And CJ, how are you doing today? I'm doing doing well. And again, thanks for having me on. Is also yeah, Can't wait no to worries. Shoot the shit and uh, tell all the embarrassing stories about Chad's hunt. Uh, we can't <laughs> say that on this podcast. So was embarrassing. Edit that out. I'm real trying quick. to think. I'm trying to think if there was anything embarrassing on this hunt. Not really. Well, not this one. I ha- I haven't heard anything yet. But the two words that you said. Before we kick this off, already have me excited for this uh, podcast. So let's let's take this slow. All right. All right. So formalities aside, I'm glad you guys are doing well. Um, chat. Yeah. So, kind of an interesting year for you. Um, 
I've been listening to the backcountry rookies for a while. And the one thing that I have loved is, you know, you're just a, a great dude. You, you've been very true to what you wanted to do with this platform. Like you, you come on here, you talk to people, you, you get uh, knowledge from them to pass to other people who haven't been on these hunts before. But you never took on this role of like, I'm a know-it-all. I, I can do everything myself. Like, no, you're a true backcountry rookies uh, member yourself. So you moved to New Mexico this year to take the uh, job as a dolphin trainer. And, um, and a lot of ocean space here in New Mexico. <laughs> yep. yep. No, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have turned the job down either. And, uh, I kind of wanted to touch on this before we jump into the story of, uh, your hunt. What kind of application strategy did you go with coming out to New Mexico, wanting to, you know, try your first hunts? Like what made you pick antelope? What made you pick the units that you put in for, uh, and, and the hunt, hunt types and the weapons and stuff like that. I did what Dan and CJ told me to do. That's exactly how my strategy worked. Well, why didn't uh, it work for either of us? <laughs> <laughs> so I've been, applying, I've been applying for like seven years, zero antelope tags. No, that, that's not even good ones. First year, that's just first year luck. Um, so I'll, with the antelope, the strategy on antelope was really, I was just, choosing areas and hoping to draw something because the draw odds are really, really low for antelope. It's, it's hard to draw an antelope tag. And that's, I think that's why this hunt, I was looking forward to it so much. Just, I know it'll be years before I draw that tag again. So there, there really wasn't a strategy whatsoever for the antelope tag. Okay. So did you do, I mean, you can be honest, did you just go off word of mouth or did you verify everything based off of go hunt? Did you use their, uh, application strategy did you pick you know parts of the new mexico that interested you that you wanted to just go to or again i i want to know what was in your brain when you went to like cool i'm putting in for my first tags ever i picked these units yep so go hunt obviously i i use a lot of go hunt they sponsor the show but i i did a lot of research on go hunt and then I also knew kind of the area that I wanted to go based on driving through it so when I used to live in um, Texas I would drive through New Mexico to hunt in Colorado and every time I would drive through different parts of New Mexico I would always see antelope just running around in the open fields you know there's antelope all over the place in that area where we where I hunted at or CJ and I hunted at and so that was part of it right just knowing that there's antelope in that area that was a big part of it and then picking through go hunt looking at this the draw odds i knew i wanted a rifle tag because i had my fingers really really crossed that we were all going to draw um, archery elk tags so I, I really when i was picking out different hunts i everything i had was laid on those archery elk tags and in all of the the sort of the outside hunts right Th those were all just random and based on rifle or muzzleloader or some other type of of weapon to use um, so yeah it was kind of just pick something that wasn't archery and it wasn't going to interfere with that archery elk hunt go on to go hunt start picking the best draw odds for a rifle hunt and then just knowing what i knew about that particular area so you do realize how lucky you are that you drew this tag. I, I'm a firm believer in, in New Mexico's uh, first time. But all that said, luck. all the strategy aside, that's ah, garbage. You were oh, lucky. No, it, well, did you did you at least put them in order of most difficult to draw to theoretically easiest to draw? Like you're I did. To? Yeah, and you know what? So let me see, really quick, if it was. I think that was my third choice too. I may have already saved over last year's last year's strategy, but uh, let me see if I can find it. Yeah, with like a whopping seven percent draws. I didn't even know if it was that much, dude. I think yeah. it was like two or so. It may have been less than that. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. Uh, actually, that was my second choice, and it mm -hmm. was like five percent draw odds, and that's as a resident. So very very low draw odds. All right, yeah. so. So results come out and you have this green little block that says that you drew. Um, now what? Just kind of walk me through before we get to the story of the hunt. Like what type of prep did you do? Did you do some e-scouting? Did you take any scouting trips? Yada, yada, yada. Let us all know. Well, the first thing I did was I think I called you 
I probably texted CJ because he wasn't here at the time um, and said, hey, is this any good? Drew this tag. <laughs> and I got a lot of what the freaks from people, right? Like, how did you draw that tag? Um, so that was a lot of fun. But then also other people were rubbing their elk tags in my face that I didn't draw. So um, sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> not really. Uh, yeah. Uh, so as far as preparation goes, I did. Uh, I wasn't really familiar with that area at all. I like I, I knew the highways because I've driven through there and I've stayed in Roswell a time or two traveling through. And um, you're not supposed to say where. I, I, don't, I don't really care. Uh, New Mexico is one of those states, right? Like, whatever. you're not going to draw it anyway. So yeah, you're not going to draw it anyway. So um, <laughs> you're better off finding aliens than you are drawing that tag. But, Almost. Yeah. Um, so I did a scouting trip down there. And then I also did a lot of just kind of looking around on social media sites and trying to uh, get to know people from that area who I could talk to about um populations and where herds at you know what kind of bucks are down in that area and i i ended up meeting a really cool dude who i've become really good friends with named vince cj met him too while we were down there um vince was was really really helpful he was actually he was so helpful so he works his job puts him on the road a lot and he's able to drive through a lot of the hunting areas the the blm and the state land and stuff and uh, Vince would just take pictures and send me waypoints and say, Hey, I saw some antelope here, not very big, you know, but I saw a couple of bucks over here and just kind of letting me know where the, the antelope were at. And then I did a scouting trip knowing where he was telling me to go. Um, CJ was kind of dialing it, dialing me into a couple of other spots. And then some other guys that I know that have hunted that area before too, were telling me and, and everything was pointing into the same areas, but, I wanted to do a scouting trip down in that area because I wanted to confirm or deny a few other locations that I thought looked really good, which I didn't really know what I was looking for. But to me, I thought, well, if I was an antelope, I would live in that spot. So I did a lot of that on that scouting trip. I think I spent three days or three nights or something down in the unit and just kind of looking at some of those unconfirmed locations, which turned out to be okay. Ultimately, I ended up going where other people told me that there was antelope at. And on that scouting trip, I was able to see several to include Captain Hook, who was appropriately named by uh, my buddy Jordan Staley, who I had taken several pictures of Captain Hook and really, really liked him. And I was going to come back. And in fact, it, we, I, we did go look for him, I think, didn't we? CJ? Yeah, we did. Opening day, we went and looked for him. He was a cool buck. He wasn't huge, but he had really cool horns that that curled in really neat. And then he had a broken um, prong, which I thought was unique. And I, I really thought he would make a cool mount. So uh, he was one that I definitely wanted to go after. And then uh, he was gone when we started the hunt, though. Okay, so we can come back to the hunt, too. And I, I appreciate the recap of everything you did. Now, CJ, how did you get roped into this? I know you you've killed some antelope yourself and you've been on a lot of other hunts with your friends. Like how did Chad rope you into this? Well, I've killed, I've killed an antelope antelope one time in Idaho, but I spent a, I spent a lot of time for work out in the desert and we have uh, our range. We have some of the biggest antelope I've ever seen in my life. So like, I know what a, what a huge antelope looks like. I've just seen a lot of them spent a ton of time in the woods, but yeah, I've only killed one. Uh, But yeah, I've just, I've just seen so many of them up really, really close as well. Cause the ones that we work, well, we don't work with them, but they're at work are really dumb. So you can walk up to them. I was actually sending videos of me walking up to antelope. I'm like, Oh, to Chad, like literally two days before <laughs> yeah. I was out on the range. I'm like, I hope it's this easy when we go out tomorrow and I'm just walking across an open field. Yeah. Um, and these bucks are, you know, standing their ground posturing during the rut at like 60 yards. I walked up to like 30 yards on one, you know, good buck. That was probably like seven, close to 70 inches. And, uh, we've got a couple other really, really, really big bucks out on the range. So yeah, I know what I know what a big buck looks like. Cause I've seen a lot of them. Yeah. And I love hunting. So, so basically uh, he, he brought you out there to be the professional, uh, fire starter and, and cook. Is what he rubbed saying. two sticks together. 
and made rubbed a fire. together, made a fire, and it worked. Cool. Yeah. All right. So, so, and, so last and question. So CJ had just gotten back from a deployment too, and we had I hadn't seen him or really talked to him in what mm-hmm. probably six or eight months. Yeah. So um, we just really we just wanted to hang out and and uh, enjoy the hunt, you know. So sent him That's the opportunity and said, "Man, if you're available, I know you're probably busy with family and doing." you know, family time stuff. You just got home, but if you're available, come on down. Here's a spot, right. And send him a, a location and he showed up. I mean, oh, I figured it'd cool. be a one day hunt anyways. So yeah, I was, hoping, I was really hoping to be a one day hunt. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it was fast for sure. Yeah. It was definitely fast. But, so, so be- before I give you the keys to start talking about the, uh, the actual hunt itself, the one thing that I, I kind of was thinking about before the show is, uh, what were your goals going into this hunt? And, and here's kind of why I'm asking this. So I want other people to hear this. So first time antelope hunting, this elusive, you know, tag that you might never draw again. Um, did you have like a specific size in mind? Did you have um, this idea where whatever tripped your trigger, you were going to go and shoot? The only reason I'm asking this is because sometimes first timers or newbies get these special hunts right off the bat. And I think they put so much pressure on themselves. Like, oh my gosh, I have a New Mexico antelope tag. I can't shoot a 60 inch goat because everyone's going to make fun of me. I got to shoot an 80 or butt. And they put so much emphasis on the hunt instead of just going out and having some fun. So I wonder what was going through your brain at the time. Well, for, for people that listen to this show, they know that that's, I don't, I don't really care. I'm more about having a good time on the hunt, but not knowing much about pronghorn or antelope. Uh, and knowing much about size, um, I guess I, I kind of have a u- u- unique opportunity with the podcast to be introduced to a lot of people. Um, but this this doesn't mean that everybody can't do this. Um, so I did the taxidermy podcast with Paul Gallegos from Imperial Taxidermy. Also, thanks for the recommendation on that one, CJ. And um, <laughs> the uh, I. Why, Paul is incredible at doing pronghorn, right? That's, I think that's probably what he's most known for is pronghorn. So when I went up there to record the podcast with Paul, I was able to look at a lot of mounts. He he had several of them on the wall and we were able to look at some and I picked his brain and I really, really talked to him and his brother Vince about pronghorn and sort of what we were looking for. Now, in saying that, it gave me the opportunity to see what some big bucks looked like and some cool features of bucks were. So I, I kind of knew what I was looking for going into it. Um, but with all of that being said, I, I really didn't have any expectation except I wanted to just shoot a good buck. And I can't tell you size or, or anything. I just, I kind of knew what I like it, on the scouting trips, I would see good bucks, right? And what I thought was good bucks. And then I would see little bucks that I knew were little bucks. You can tell the difference and it's very clear in looking. So um, I, this is a very long-winded answer, but I think the it, it was important to be able to go down there on that scouting trip to be able to see that size difference between between them. And and as we start talking about the hunt, we'll, we'll talk about passing on, because we passed on several bucks on opening morning and they were easy, right? You just drive past them and you see them and you're like, I, I don't, I'm not shooting that buck. Not on opening morning. So well, why, why don't you roll right into it? You, you show up to camp, here are the keys, run with it. Yeah. So um, with that, okay, so one last thing on, on what I wanted to shoot. There was all, So it's a three-day hunt, and there was some depreciating expectations, right? Op- opening morning, the plan was to shoot something that really got me excited or struck my fancy. Uh, if I got to day two, then those standards were going to lower a little bit and then if i got to day three they were going to lower a little bit more um so with that being said we'll we'll jump into the hunt um i got down there a day early before opening day and uh, i got to spend that day down there and i found some good bucks that i i wanted to hopefully try to find opening morning um, so just did some sc- additional scouting, right? It was an extra day of scouting and finding a good spot to camp. And then, um, that night, that was the night you showed up, right? CJ, you showed up the night before opening morning. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, so CJ comes in camp and we we're hanging around just kind of BS. And we we're, t- I was telling him and showing him some pictures of some of the bucks that I had found. And there was a couple that I think we agreed on that they would at least be worth a, another look the next morning. There was yeah, definitely, yeah. there was one that I really wanted to go look at. And I think the opening morning we were on our way to go look at that buck when that's what I was talking about. We were passing some bucks on the side of the road and we'd stop and look at them through the binos and you know mm-hmm. cj would we'd both be looking at them it, some of you don't even have to look at with binos you just know now nah, i'm not shooting that thing not on not on opening morning so um we were on our way and to to find the one buck that i was really really in well we looked for captain hook and we didn't see him bright and early so and we camped sort of near him so he wasn't far but um and then we were on our way to look at this other buck and Passed a few, and then CJ spotted a nice buck that gave us the slip, and um, we worked him yeah. for a little bit. Go ahead, CJ. You can run with that one. He was – I never yeah, no, really buck, got a good look at him, so. That buck was – he had really, really – I didn't couldn't see exactly how tall he was or, how, like, everything about him, but I knew he had a really, really, really good mass because I just saw side profile view. And then um, he's about a little over half mile away, too, so – through 15s he was you know the detail wasn't super good but i knew based off the quick look like it's worth investigating further for sure yeah um, and he was with some he was near some cattle and stuff and um based off his body size was pretty good size compared to the other ones we had seen and his he had really really good mass so he was definitely worth looking at yeah that's when we almost got eaten by a rattlesnake <clears throat> well that was that well, was that was fun. So CJ is a magnet for rattlesnakes. Um, yeah. Well, I this, shouldn't have been is... in between him and the snake then because <laughs> it was going for you, I think, I CJ, but I was in the way. I don't have any issues with rattlesnakes. It's just whoever walks around with me seems to have the closer encounter. Yeah. Yeah, that was true. Like two feet, that thing lit up and started rattling at me. And yeah. I peed a little so bit. What, what type of – what? give us a just a quick picture. What type of terrain were you guys kind of hitting early that morning? Just the rolling hills, like the typical what you think of in New Mexico, sort of the deserty sage yeah. grass. The issue, the issue this year was the grass because of all the rain we had. The grass was like really tall, so you know there there was almost no way you could spot them midday because the grass is you know three four feet tall in most of the area. So yeah, they're there. We'd see them walking around and stuff, but it was uh, we didn't see nearly as many as you would on a dry year. Um, for sure yeah very grassy very grassy and rolling hills so if you 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 know you could get up and um it wasn't really that typical type of terrain where it's the the backcountry style hunt and i'm doing the little air quote things here over backcountry but um it wasn't that type of hunt there's no way it could have been because there's plenty of roads out there there's some oil field out on the eastern side of that unit where there's lots of roads and you can literally like if you wanted to hike a couple of miles from your truck, you would probably cross two roads to go a couple of miles where you could yeah. just drive that terrain. Um, you might get out of your truck. There was multiple times where I got out of the truck and put up a tripod with bigger binos and was able to look at a larger swath of, of land, but it just, it wasn't that big mountainy kind of terrain. It's a lot of that rolling Hills with that taller grass and you kind of get to the top of the hill and you look down into the bottom so you can look over the top of the grass, which then gives you that vantage point that you need. And then you get back in your truck and you drive further up and you look for some more. And it's kind of kind of one of those hunts where you spend a lot of time in your vehicle. Yeah, and it doesn't take a lot um, to just walk 100 yards away from the truck, get up away from the road where they don't see your vehicle and, the, you know, they're still moving around, you know, um, but they they definitely those antelope definitely have an aversion to dudes getting out of a truck when they could see you and like setting your stuff up. They don't, they don't they're not a huge fan of that. But um, yeah, sometimes you just gotta walk over that little hole or a little yeah. hill. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't rough. It wasn't terrible. Like oh my god, my legs are killing me today. I, you know, I need a rest day. No. Now temperature was would kick your ass. I, it was over a hundred degrees, and the sun is just hotter than than hot. Yeah, down in that area and that's the real tough part right it isn't it's it's hot so you gotta 
think about that a lot of water um but yeah that was that's the terrain so we went looking for that buck that cj saw we got attacked by a rattlesnake almost um and then that buck gave us the slip and we were going to stick in that area and keep glassing for him and just see what happened because like cj said he was kind of mixed in with some cows and the cows weren't gone so we didn't really think the antelope was gone we figured he was just over the next little hill you know maybe he'd come back up um but we got a phone call from vince yeah we, which was, we had walked back to the truck we were going to go go in from a different side because the wind had shifted as well so we're going to go at him at a different angle and then we got a phone yeah then vince called vince calls and says hey man we got some real nice bucks over here where we're at i'll send you a spot and we were like okay well yeah send it over to us we're working one right now you know we'll we'll take a look at it maybe we'll come over there and see if he's there if this one if we lose track of this one so we weren't in a big old hurry or a big rush or anything to get over to that where where vince was hunting that and um man it what, what was it like 10 minutes oh no well i tell vince well okay so vince's buddy he was out there hunting with him his buddy had the same tag i had um so there you know there was another hunter out there and vince was hunting with that guy and I said, well, if he's a great buck, I, why don't you guys go get after him? He said, we already got a big one on the ground, man. We're done. We're tagged out. So now they're spotting for us, you know, and, and kind of scouting for us. So, okay, great, man. We may come over that way. And what was it? 10 minutes later, we get the second phone call. CJ, yeah. something like that. Very, very shortly after. Is Yeah, shortly after with a much more like sense of urgency in his voice. And he says the first thing out of his mouth, it wasn't even like, hello, Hey guys, what's going on? Having any luck? It was, you guys have any quick clot. <laughs> and <laughs> so in the army or and air force, obviously in CJ's job, quick clot is not a, um, that's a last resort type of type of bandage, right? That's, that's the last thing that you're going to use on a, on a wound. So we both, immediately go to oh shit something bad is going on over there um i think i put him on speaker and cj was kind of trying to assess that situation over the phone really quickly <laughs> and what do you have a, la a big deep laceration on his knee or something yeah, like that yeah he's, he uh cut himself with his havilon he was like working the hawk or the the knee or something and like slipped it off of the antelope and put it into his knee yeah pretty bad I mean, it was a pretty, pretty significant cut, but it wasn't, wasn't necessarily not, quick, clottable. not quick clottable, but so anyway, we hustle over CJ has a, he made like keeps a really solid first aid kit in his, in his, um, his backpack there. And so we hustled over to where Vince was at just right. Kids to try to help or whatever, or see what we could do if anything. And by the time we had gotten over there to where they were, they were already on their way out. They had a couple of other buddies skinning out the antelope. Vince was taking his buddy to town. They had made some arrangements with um, the his doctor or emergency room or something to admit him right away. And they were getting him out, right, and getting him in town to get it all cleaned up. And uh, we stopped them on the road, kind of met tip to tip there, truck to truck, whatever, however you want to put it. And um, we jumped out, CJ got out, kind of ran over to the guy that was injured and was talking to him, see what was going on with him. And I was talking to Vince and <laughs> as I was looking through Vince's truck window, I could see through the passenger window and there was a herd of antelopes standing about what, maybe a thousand yards off the road or something like that. Not even at them. They were maybe only like 300 yards off the road. They were close. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. They were right there, but well, you within, could... well within rifle range. But yeah. they obviously didn't like that two trucks had parked and dudes were walking around. So they kind of walked off. Yeah, they had gotten. Yeah, they, they were wandering away. And there was a couple of really nice bucks in there. Um, we CJ swears the one that I shot was the smaller of the two. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me, man. I, when you saw them both, they both looked big to me. And um, we so the, anyway, Vince and, and cut dude were we got them out of there and they went to town. And we decided to make a play on those bucks that were over there. Um, so uh, bef before you pass by this real quick, and, and I'm glad it wasn't Vince because it sounds like you and Vince are friends, so we don't have to make fun of him on, on the podcast. But And it's not even to make fun of, would you call him Cut Guy? Um, I don't know what his name I, but, I had his name I somewhere, but I don't know what it is. But, but I, I want to make a point real quick. So you mentioned earlier that, you know, this isn't a backcountry hunt. 
you know, this is a relatively easy hunt. You're moving around with your truck. You know, you, you, you got it a little bit more easier than some of the hunts, but something can still happen. Yep. And, and it's a good reminder for anyone out here listening right that, like, that you always need to be prepared because even on what you might think is the most simple hunt, something bad could happen. So just blowing that plug out there. Yeah. Um, not everyone goes around with a seer guy who can take care of you and stuff like that, uh, or a dolphin trainer that's, you know, well-versed in, in fixing wounds, but 100% uh, okay, prepared. Every but, good dolphin trainer is a hundred percent prepared for all situations. That's true. It's true. But so, okay. Content. There's your plug onward to the buck. Yeah. I'll give you, uh, so let me also reinforce that because, um, the roads aren't like paved, beautiful highways either. So they are terrible. And a lot of them are old oil roads that haven't been maintained in years, super rutted out, just nasty. And you could be like, if you don't have water in your truck and you don't have food and you're not prepared for some kind of situation, you could kind of put yourself in a bad spot, even though you're truck is right there i yeah i mean you're you're further than in a, you're further than 30 minutes from any hospital yeah you know an hour from any sort of decent trauma center so yeah and no, uh, no cell phone range and a lot of those those places not that i'm saying this is this rough rough country but i'm saying you could blow a tire you could put you could put yourself in a situation where you could be in a little bit of trouble and to that fact when i got home i actually had to replace all of the tires on my truck because they were so shredded from those just those those roads they're like old caliche and just that rock will just tear your tires up and i had to stop on the way home two times and put air in my tires just to get back to albuquerque and and get them right so they were very very close to i was could have had two flat tires out in the middle of nowhere and 100 degree heat you know oh poor me right two flat tires <laughs> but yeah uh it could have been bad that's what i'm saying it, it's you're right dan anytime there there could be uh, a situation where were we so you 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 saw these bucks thousand yards out everyone yeah. leaves now it's time to put together a plan what are we oh, doing it, well we should probably just end the podcast right there don't you think Nope. nope. <laughs> we don't want to do I mean, the, plan, <laughs> uh, the, the plan was pretty simple. It was, yeah. it was my go-to tactic of walking towards the animal and shooting it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, we, we had a conversation. We looked at them quite a bit more closely through the spotters and stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, Chad had his mind made up on the one that like looked like a really nice, stereotypical, beautiful, good mass, really nice prongs extra cutters on the inside like a very very nice looking antelope but i tried to convince him to shoot the one that was quite a bit larger and and immediately adjacent to it but i mean i wasn't going to argue they were both nice antelope yeah they both were and when i by the time i got down on the gun the one that i ended up shooting i think he was giving me a better shot and and i just had a better shot right that's what it boiled down to it wasn't like he was a it, it wasn't like he was the a tiny little buck that I never should have shot. He's a, I'm putting him on a wall mount. You know what I mean? Like I'm pretty proud of that dude. He's a good sized buck. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the one you bad, shot Chad, was on. What's that? What's I was going to say, don't feel bad because um, CJ, while he has a rattlesnake thing, he also has this weird thing where people often question um, the animal that he's looking at. That's a story for another time. <laughs> uh, his buddy, was going to not shoot this monster mule deer. It's, it was Ryan's a two by three. Yeah, it was a two was by a... three, two by three with a unicorn right side that went straight up and it was still 26 and a half inches wide. In- <laughs> this, monster, this monster buck and CJ is like, well, I'm also looking at a five point and this dude's like, oh, I want to shoot the five point. Like, well, yeah, how much smaller? Small. Yeah. A, lo- a lot smaller, dude. Yeah. But, it, but anyway, but yeah, so, so you, shot, you shot how you shot that buck. And what did he end up? He was like 78 inches. He's like, he's 79. I think he's oh, like yeah. 78 and 78. Like he's, he's a so you really good buck. I'm very positive that that other buck was in the, in the low eighties, mid eighties. He's, he was significantly taller and had his mass went up higher on his horns. He didn't look nice. He's just like yeah. tree trunk horns with terrible looking forks that were still big, but no, yours looks like a way nicer antelope for sure yeah and that's uh, probably what drew me to him was just the classic 
that classic look. Uh, so to prove your, to go back to the point about like what you were looking for at the beginning of the hunt, it was pretty obvious as we were going through, like you weren't looking for a giant. You just wanted to look for a mature animal that was a great representative of the species and, yeah. you know, was, uh, looked good. Yeah. Unless so, we saw Captain one. Hook and then I was shot Captain Hook and he was all kinds of messed up. Yeah. He was he, trashy. Yeah, that's, a, that's a unique, crazy. Yeah. He was pretty neat. Um, but so we, we put together the plan, those antelopes, they, they were kind of on the move and they were walking away from us. Uh, by this time, I don't even really know. Maybe they were seven to 800 yards away from us. Mm-hmm. And I went out, CJ stayed back on the spotter to keep an eye on what was going on down range. I moved out toward them. Um, I think he had told me before I walked off, uh, be careful because you could walk right towards antelope, but when you start to get down on your hands and knees, they're going to move. They're going to take off. And that being his philosophy on this, and, and I'll go with it because he, I have one experience and he was dead <laughs> on. So he's a hundred percent correct in my book. Um, they are very scared of four-legged predators. So you can walk slowly up towards them and they don't really think twice about it. But as you start to get down into that cat like pose right like a mountain lion or some sort of whatever four-legged animal they got really sketchy (laughs) and they really they really (laughs) did man as soon as i got down uh, on the rifle i was trying to put together a quick um, shooting position and get everything right and they were already on the move like they had they saw me getting into that position and they were yeah all the all the antelope that were laying down and bedded stood up and again the but the but also like this isn't going to work on like highly pressured animals. Like the, the animals that you were hunting were not highly pressured. No, their main no, predators no. are coyotes and mountain lions. Humans occasionally come around and shoot a bunch of them, you know, but that's not the main, that's not their main predator. So yeah, for unpressured animals, you get a lot more forgiveness as far as your stalking technique. Yeah. Yep. So, um, I think I laze them, uh, range finder them at around 480, 485, something like that. And as I got to started to take the shot, they started to move away from me and from right or from left to right. And so I ended up taking that shot. I, I would, I would say by the time I took the shot, he was probably at 500, maybe a few, give or take a few. Um, one thing I did not anticipate that I should have was the moving animal and I didn't account for the movement. So I had a perfect elevation shot, but I was also aiming at that nice crease there by that front shoulder. And by the time that bullet got out there and that antelope was on the move, it ended up hitting him in the hind quarters, which totally knocked him down. He was going to die, right? You know, we, it hammered him, but, um, he stayed alive and struggled a little bit. So, <laughs> so we were going to make our move, right. To go and finish this antelope off and just get up closer to him and shoot him when we were very quickly approached by the game and fish um, guy that was out there. Like, I don't even know where that dude came from. I took the shot, got up and CJ walked out. And by the time CJ was out there, the game and fish guy was halfway to see us to check tags yep. and see what was going on. So doing his job. He was. Yeah, it totally 100%. And he was a super nice guy. And he came I out. I think he was more curious, like, well, let's see the antelope. What did you do? Let's go over there. Let's see what <laughs> happened. I want to see this buck, too, because he had yeah. a tag for later in the, like a different later season. Yeah. And so he was actually out inventorying uh, the bucks <laughs> that were being taken because he had his tag for later, which was yeah. pretty, we ran into him again the next day or maybe two. I guess it was the next day. And we had a good conversation with him. But he came out and we kind of, you know, we talked to him for a few minutes and then I said, okay, you know, if you don't mind, we're going to go out here and finish this off and skin it out. And he checked our tags and or checked my tag and made sure everything was legit. And then um, he, you know, he went about his business and we went about ours. So then we walked out there about 500 yards from that antelope. And keep in mind, this wasn't like the suffering antelope out there. This was all of about three or four minutes, right? I mean, it was fairly quick. Yeah. for that whole process and then we walked out there and finished it off and um dead loper so so just quick question for you um what what rifle were you using what's what was your setup uh i had a proof research tundra 
and it's a seven millimeter Remington Magnum. And okay, okay. that was a 160 grain Acubon bullet. So good, good setup, solid setup. Um, did the job then, quickly. I mean, it took that, that I, I hundred percent think that antelope was going to die if we just left it just because of the damage that it did to its hind quarters, but it wasn't, oh, yeah. it wasn't fair to it. You know, we wanted to go out and put a kill shot on it instead of have it lay there. And then so, I, I appreciate you being, you know, raw because most people wouldn't tell like when something doesn't go perfect, no one, you know, puts that out there, you know, they'll, they'll keep that in their back pocket. But, you know, what would you tell someone who's going on a, an antelope hunt that might be taking a, a shot on a moving animal? Like, could you have done anything different? Do you think you could have stopped them? Um, or, or was that something that you had to execute at that moment? Uh, you, next time you would just adjust for the movement or the wind or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I don't really know. I, I'm sure there's a noise or I could have probably made a noise to stop them. But hey, dear. Hey, dear. Right. It works almost every time. And, but they were already kind of bugging out. And really, the, my thought, what should have happened is I should have played the, the movement. Right. I should have aimed front shoulder or, you know, front of the shoulder um, and taken that shot that way because they, they were kind of getting on it. And uh, they, I think it would have been fine. But that would that would be your best in that situation because they weren't it wasn't like they were just kind of grazing off and, and moving off you know like they were going to stop 20 yards up there or something they knew that there was a threat and they were on their way so i really don't think even a hey deer would have slowed them i think it probably would have pushed them farther so um, all right so so go down high fives for everyone what what's next um next we started working on it cj jumped right in there and we well we took some pictures you know and did some did some stuff because if it's not on instagram it didn't happen but um now we we took some really cool pictures and i was really really proud of that thing so we cj took some good pictures um then we got to work on it and got to skinning it out he kind of took the brunt of that load um when I had done the taxidermy podcast with Paul Gallegos, he had talked about socking out. If you're going to mount it, right. If you're going to do a shoulder mount, he had given some really good tips on how to handle pronghorn and how to sock out the front legs, you know, and really do it right. I was a little bit unsure on how to do that process. CJ was familiar with it. So he just jumped in and, and took control of it. Um, we didn't have any game bags with us. We didn't have any really meat preparation or stuff <laughs> in our packs. I mean, we, we had them right there in the truck, which was 800 ish yards away, a thousand yards away. Mm -hmm. So he starts scanning out the antelope. Um, I ran back to the truck and got game, you know, kill kit mm -hmm. and, and way to kind of manage the meat and make sure everything was okay. Um, yeah. cause you hear meat, so many, so many people talk about how antelope tastes so terrible. And it's a lot of times because in situations like us or like that, like that, where it's, uh, I mean, we kill it at like what, one thirty, two o'clock in the afternoon. It was the hottest time of the day. Yeah. It was, no, hot. It, was, it, was still it was hot, but I think it was early. It, it was, was 11. Morning. Yeah. It was like 11. Yeah. But either way, midday, it was hot. Yeah. It been 90 hot. degrees. Yeah. It was in the mid, it was hot. I think the coolest time of the day was like 87. It wasn't very. <laughs> yeah. But the, yeah, but, the, per, the point being is we had to get the hide off of it quickly. Yeah. So that's where he, he went to work and um, we, I went and got all this stuff and it just so happened that the, um, this is totally a tangent on my buck, but the buck that uh, Vince's friend had shot, those guys were already gone and in town getting him to the doctor, but his buddies that had skinned out his, his antelope drove by right when I got to my truck and I got to see that antelope too. And it was, he shot a stud out there too. So he had a really nice one down. Um, anyway, got, got everything packed up and we went back out or I walked back out to the antelope and we finished getting it skinned up and, and then loaded up and put, put in coolers, you know, pretty standard process after that. Good deal. That sounds like a, a very successful first New Mexico hunt right there. It really was. It really was. And not that that's the hardest hunt out there. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of antelope out there. And I think that's probably why it's kind of a coveted tag and it's hard to draw. And um, there was a, a lot of antelope, but it's just, there was a lot to choose from. So it, it was really neat to be able to see that many antelope in, in one unit in one place. You could really drive from one road to the next and climb up on a little high spot and glass around and you were 
you're going to find something out there if you if you look hard enough. So, yeah, I think I think the name of the game is, you know, being selective is the game, right? It, it, that's where you get a little bit more of the excitement from, you know, because anybody could almost anybody could go out there and shoot any antelope, and you know, if you shoot one right away, there's not a whole lot of that hunt experience, you know, you, it's just kind of over at that point. So, yeah, you know. Being selective allows you to play the game a little bit longer, unless you find a giant, in which case everybody's going to shoot that thing. Yeah. You know, but it's fun to, it's fun to look over the animals and kind of pick one and be selective. And uh, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's where the fun is in, in it for me. Yeah. And I learned a lot out there on the scouting trip and then the hunt too. And that was, so that was good. I learned a lot about that terrain, how the animals work in that terrain and, um, like if I drew that tag again in, by chance or whatever, probably wouldn't even scout it. I would just go out there and hunt it, maybe go a day early. I wouldn't go spend three or four days scouting for it. Um, so that was it, man. Antelope down. I think we had uh, CJ's specialty that night. We had antelope, antelope backstrap mm-hmm. and ramen noodles, which was fantastic. There's no better combination to rehydrate and get some protein recovery yeah well we had we had your signature hydration scotch (laughs) yep i think we had a little scotch none of the blended crap no a couple of cold beers and then time to go to sleep then the next we stayed out in that unit too cj hung out with me an extra day i had a friend of mine who had a deer hunt down there so i was going to stay down for a couple of days and scout for deer look around a little bit to try to help him out and um, so we had we had another couple of days that's where we ran into the game warden the next day he was out mm-hmm. cruising around looking for hunters and we talked to him a little bit more and he looked at some of the pictures of my antelope and and uh he, he told us that he had a tag and he's like, yeah, I, I'm really, I'm trying to see, I think he had his eyes on a buck and he was just looking to see if that buck had gotten killed yet. Cause he had the Captain next, I ah, probably did. Captain hook was cool, man. He was yeah. a cool buck. So anyway, yep. Buck down and it was a super awesome hunt and I fully anticipate drawing it next year while CJ does not. Again, so, uh, that's kind of impossible because uh, <laughs> you don't know that CJ and I are both going to attach to you to get some of that luck. Oh, well, for ourselves. my yeah. luck, I, my beginner luck is out, so I wouldn't even try that. But <laughs> uh, no, anyway, I got really, really lucky on that, that New Mexico draw. But obviously, there's other tags I really, really wanted that I, I didn't get. So, uh, but it was cool. I'm glad I have one. And soon, but not soon, probably six or eight months from now, I'll have him hanging up here on the wall where that little that little guy's at. Good deal. And then CJ, you got any uh, any parting shots from this uh, this adventure that we haven't heard yet, or any any last minute comments? Um, I don't know. New Mexico antelope hunting is not like hunting anywhere else. Um, it's it's not like it's easier. It's just the the quantity of animals is pretty high in most of the units some of the units are kind of just there's not there's not nearly as many but um if you draw one of the tags that has low single digit draw odds you're in a really good unit so if you're going to pick a hunt to be selective on the new mexico one is is it i believe and uh yeah just take your time enjoy they're only three day hunts just i don't know just enjoy your time and, and pick an animal that you're happy with and and for me i would i would be fine going home with nothing you know, like that's one of the tags that I don't necessarily feel like I have to fill, you know, cause it's not like an elk where I'm bringing home 300 pounds of meat or 200, 200 pounds of meat. Um, you know, and it was just, it's just fun. Just enjoy it. Yeah. It really um, don't was. Make it, don't make it more than what it needs to be. Just look at, look at animals cause they're cool. Watch the behavior and find a, find a nice one that you're, you're proud of and, and go get them. Yep. And that's Good what deal. we did. And that was pretty, that was a cool hunt too. Cause my buddy, um, Jordan Staley was up in another unit on my way home. So after I left, my, you know, I packed up camp and got out of there. I stopped and talked to him for a little bit. He had the hunt after me and was down there a couple of days early scouting and um, talked to him, learned a little bit about his unit that he was hunting in. He ended up killing a stud buck up in there. And then I had another friend that was in another unit and I stopped and talked to him on the way home and same thing. So learned a little bit about that unit and he also killed a nice buck too. So, um, a lot of, a lot of antelope 
down on on both of those hunts that we had. I think there's what three is there three antelope hunts early, mid, and late. It or depends not? on it. It it I don't I don't I don't look at at the I don't know the antelope. Yeah, um, I guess nearly so, yeah. as well as I know the other ones. That or that season there was I know for my unit and a couple of the surrounding there's like a early which is I say early but it's mid August and then there's like a third week of August and then the last week of August or whatever you know those three days so uh, pretty neat but that's it man good deal how about any last things from you Chad any last parting shots comments or I got nothing that's my story it just, I'm sticking out, to it it sounds like the perfect perfect first hunt for you know someone to move to new mexico you get to hang out with a good buddy the thing yep. that i love about hunts like that is you can you can kind of be a little bit more noisy and and have a good time you're just shooting the crap the whole time and having fun so it sounds like you had a, a great time congrats again on your uh, your beautiful book thank you yeah that's it man that's the story hey thanks for being a guest host man hey anytime very good. CJ, you got anything? Parting shots? Uh, no, I'm just disappointed that Dan shaved his mustache off. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I really think uh, prior to the show, we were talking about Dan's mustache. I might leave that in the show when I edit it. Quite possibly. I hope so. Well, I'm yeah, going to grow a new one before this releases. You better. <laughs> and a tiny, send me yeah, a no. tiny little picture that I can like put down in the very corner. No, I don't do that. Sounds good. It was a small <laughs> caterpillar, but it was a caterpillar nonetheless. It was. Yeah. It was my caterpillar. It's far better yeah. than no, my I appreciate I appreciate uh you inviting me on the hunt, Chad. And I uh I, yeah, I had a great time, you know, being in the wood be well, it's not the woods, but being out in the field. I don't think there, there was not a tree out nature. there for sure. No. Uh, but the sun sunrise, sunset, I don't know, just being in the wide open spaces is is uh it's very special. For sure. Absolutely. Right on, dudes. Well, thank you very much. You should exit with wide open space. <laughs> Dixie kicks. Yeah. Do it again. What was it? Wide open space. All right. Thank you for listening to the Backcountry Rookies podcast. Don't forget to look us up on social media. We are Backcountry Rookies on all the spots. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and we also have the Backcountry Rookies Nation, which is a private group on Facebook. So thanks to Go Hunt, Elk 101, Vortex Optics, and Canyon Coolers for sponsoring the show. Remember, when you use the code ROOKIES, you get special deals at all of those companies. You get $50 in gear shop credit when you become a Go Hunt Insider. You save 20 bucks on the University of Elk Hunting from Elk 101. 20% off any Vortex apparel. And now you can save 10% off Canyon Coolers. Just use the code ROOKIES at any of those places and get special deals. Thanks for listening. Come back next week. Out of here. <laughs>